It's the Alexandra and Friends podcast, and we're covering the everyday issues of life, health, and wealth. And as always, we have a great panel of experts with us. Here is your host, Alexandra Fincher. You're listening to Alexandra Friends 660 The Answer. This show is brought to you by Miller Title, Roberto Perez, Texas. So I'm here with my partners, Courtney and V, and our guest of honor today is Mr. Daryl Blair, editor-in-chief, chief editor of the Elite News, one of the oldest news, um, let, me go, let me go back and correct this, oldest black newspaper in North Texas. And Daryl is um, a, a very special gentleman that I met many years ago with his father, but I'm going to let you uh, talk to Daryl and let him tell you all about the journey of him and his father through the years. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here tonight. We appreciate that. Alexandra has had uh, numerous things to say about you and your father. All good. Okay. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I work on good grounds. <laughs> so we, I got some information about your dad. Alexandra has told us that you were going to share a story with us. So I'm going to let you take the floor and have at it. Well, I, I don't know from what, quite from what angle she wants me to share the, the story. But, you know, of course, William Blair Jr. Uh, was, was my father, was my father, and still is my father, even in his absence. Um, um, I'm the seventh of seven children, oh, wow. uh, you know, as, as they say, the, uh, the lap child. <laughs> uh, and so the, the paper has been passed on, uh, but it didn't come without some uh, requirements and way more than I could have imagined. My brother sat in this cat bird seat from 96 until his demise and to his passing in 2012. And uh, all the criticisms I had of him, I go to my room and cry now that uh, it was shameful that I didn't have the uh, ability to see what he was dealing with. Mm -hmm. And uh, all my criticism of him becomes admiration you know, in my dealing with those things, being in a catbird seat. But I, I'm grateful to my father for his legacy. He's better known as uh, Bill Skinny Legs Blair, uh, Negro League pitcher. Uh, but he said that was just uh, one of the uh, avenues that he traveled. That's not his platform. His platform is that he was William Blair. He's our father, first and foremost, and he's the son to William and Cora Blair. And uh, anything else from that is just a blessing. Excellent. And I'm the son also of Moselle Jordan Blair. She's passed on too, but I, I couldn't I couldn't miss my mother. I have to keep her. Right. That's seen. amazing. And Alexandra was sharing with us that she met your dad because he had a, a special table. Yes. In a in a restaurant. Yes. Louis. Louis. That was a little bit about that because before anyone was today we heard about networking and mm -hmm. networking and yes. It's all about networking, mm -hmm. but your dad was doing network before anyone else well, because that was a great network, right? It, it really was, and I, I, at that particular point, I don't know that I had a full appreciation for what he was doing. Mm -hmm. uh, my father and we, I ended up meeting Alexandria by virtue of, um, they were combining a 32nd congressional district at the time, which consisted of uh, um, Martin Frost, who was the incumbent, and Pete Session, who was the challenger and whereby uh, they combined that district. So mm -hmm. when uh, Pete being a Republican, Martin Foss being a Democrat, my father was a, what he called an expedient voter. Uh, mm -hmm. You couldn't t title him to one party or the other. He, he was not even an independent. He was an expedient voter where issues and things that were, that were pertinent to him and his community and those around him, those are the things that he was more engaged about, whereby we had the opportunity to meet Congressman Sessions. And um, he asked if my father would support him, and 
my father brought some ministers together who he had a great relationship with over the years by virtue of the paper being a church community paper. And so that relationship started with the uh, uh, Republican Party uh, just on public surface. My father had always been involved. Uh, Then you go and reflect the first time and the only time that a, a sitting governor had ever participated in an MLK parade was Governor Perry. Uh, as my brother and myself and my dad would call him, uh, Governor Pretty Hair. Um, <laughs> Handsome. Yeah, we called him Governor Pretty Hair. And so uh, one time at one of his uh, security detail, we were at the state tournament, and I came in the side uh, door, and uh, I see him. So I said, Governor Pretty Hair. So the security <laughs> detail turned around and looked at me and put his hands on his waist. So I said, <laughs> Governor Pretty Hair. So by that time, he said, are you speaking to the governor? I said, yes. He said, no, his name is Gossip. By that time, Governor Perry looked and said, Oh, my friend. <laughs> and so the security guy looked at him like, you know him? I say, Governor Pretty Hair, and looked at the security guy, you know, like, looked at the security like I told you. But these are these are the relationships that we've embarked upon over the years. And, you know, Alexandra has not only been a friend and a confidant, but she's been a chastiser. Uh, she is very quick to tell you what she feels and how adamant she is about it, uh, whether you want to not receive our it or Alexandra. not. Yeah, yes. that doesn't sound like and, fair at all. You know, about the same and if, if you want to tell the truth, It'll be to the point that you want to hang that phone up, but out of respect, you're not going to do that. You're going to go ahead and ride this wave, and maybe we can circle this corner later. Mm-hmm. But Alexandra is very adamant to the point that she was like that with my father. I thought she would be, oh, Mr. Blair, oh, no. <laughs> she dug in, and where I thought he would bite back, he would go, maybe you got a point. So, you know, I've had to ride with that, and so I'm certainly grateful to her to being more diligent about this relationship than I have. I thank you so much. Daryl, um... Let's talk about your father. Yes. Let's not talk about you right now. Oh, no, never. <laughs> because I loved your dad. Alexandra, let me say this. Okay. Uh, I know that people don't receive me because I'm Daryl Blair. I recognize they receive me because I'm Daryl Blair, William Blair's son, whereby they give me the opportunity to knock on the door and they'll answer just to see what my makeup is. And so then I have to prove myself thereby. My father, I don't walk in his shoes. He wore a nine and a half. I wore 11. <laughs> so I'm immensely grateful for the path that he carved mm-hmm. out. But I have to do the work of my own. So let's talk about dad. I loved your dad a lot. Thank you. He was one of my favorite people. Uh-huh. And uh, I always have to think about what his hurdle was in, as he grew up and he went to war. He came back. Uh-huh. He he was a football player or a, a baseball football player. Football player, too. He went to Prairie View uh, a University on a football scholarship. That's right. That's, That's right. right. So tell us a little bit about his life during those years when he married your mom. When he started the newspaper, how he got involved in, be- in having a newspaper? Well, but- you know, I get a chance to look at the Tinseltown stories and all of the beautiful stories that they tell about the homecoming queen, Mary, and the football captain. And it, 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 it's so ironic because they were like two opposite personalities. Mm-hmm. My father came from a household at that time which was only consisted of two children, his sister and himself. And then my mother came from a household that only consisted of two children, his, herself and her brother. And so, you know, that was kind of strange in those days. They didn't have TV, so it was a lot of children making going on. Let's just be candid. Uh, and my father, in 1939, when Lincoln's first year, Lincoln High School of Dallas, its first year in existence, my dad uh, was in his senior year at Booker T. Washington. And so whereby he scored the first and only touchdown between Lincoln and Booker T. that year. Booker T. beat Lincoln 6-0. Well, he's the favorite son of Booker T. Washington. Move it forward. 1942, 1940, no, 1941, 1942, my mother was the first queen of Booker T. Washington High School. Her picture is still in the trophy case there now. If you go there right now, her picture is there. 
Uh, it's a funny story how I found out found that out. But nonetheless, uh, that's how they met. He was a loud mouth. She was shy. And so, you know, they 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 end up uh, intermingling. And so, you know, my father, you know, as he grew forward, he played Negro League baseball. And he tells us the stories of strife. But he also tells us the stories of strife and stain. But he also tells us the stories uh, of beauty and the things that grew him uh, in life, not just in that instance of baseball and traveling, but the things that grew him in life. And then how whereby he was able to give back. That was what he really uh, thrived on, uh, not giving back um, with by, by virtue of the paper, but by virtue of his efforts. When you look at Ernie Banks, go read Ernie Banks' book. Ernie Banks will tell you uh, in that book, he talks about William Blair discovering him on Griggs Park. Ernie Banks didn't play baseball in high school. Go back and you check the records. Don't believe me. Check the records. In those days, they didn't have baseball teams in high school. They only had basketball, football, and track. Ernie Banks was a basketball player. But where my, my father discovered him, that almost broke my mother and father's relationship up because my father cultured Ernie Banks, took him in, and then sent him off to uh, the Kansas City Monarchs to Buck O'Neill. Real quick, he ended up using the bill money, as my mother describes it. She, he, he took the bill money about Ernie a suit and a train ticket to go to Kansas City. That almost broke them up because they, they couldn't pay the bills. But, you know, it all worked out in the end. And um, that's just one of the one of the many things, virtues of my father, you know, that that took place. And so I, I'm grateful for his experiences, good, bad and indifferent, because it empowered us. Well, what what was the name of the, of the uh, team he played for? And he, he played for the Indianapolis Clowns. He pitched for the Indianapolis Clowns and he also played for the Birmingham Black Barons. I understand his pay was three hundred and seventy five dollars a month. That's right. And my mother was a team secretary, so his check never made it to him. <laughs> that's the story she tells. You know. And two dollars per day for the meals. That's right. Wow. That was a lot of money, he said. Wow. You know, we we scoff at that. He goes, what? Fella, I ate good. <laughs> you know, so, couldn't miss me on a meal. So how did he get started on his on the putting together the elite news? Was it, it from his? It, it first started out as a Southwest sports letter. Uh, my father, having played uh, college football, for a period, then gone into the military. He always had an urge and a need to see, um, get the scores from black college sports, which there was no venue to go find that. And so when he came home from playing baseball, he said if he knew anything about a, about a newspaper, he was a rocket scientist. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said he had a dime in his pocket, but what he did was he wanted to keep the scores. Well, that didn't work out so well, so it turned over to become a church community paper. But that's that's how the the, the elite news started as a result of him one know what the scores were to black college sports alone around the country. Well, one of the things that I noticed is that you now have a lot of employees working for um, the elite newspaper. Mm-hmm. Your father did not have that many people working. He had his children working there. Absolutely. And that's what I thought it was amazing because he made you work. Well, it was more amazing. It's more amazing because my father didn't pay us. We didn't get a paycheck. You know, he felt insulted by you talking about when do we get paid? When do you make a check? His thing was, I don't get up, fella, and go to the bank because somebody paid me. I get up and go to the bank because I take money to the bank. I make a check. I don't get a check. And you're going to do the same thing. So he told us the only way we could make money was on commissions. And he he was gracious enough to give us 50% of anything we sold. But we didn't have no insurance policies, no tax, or none of that. We were 1099s. And you were lucky to get a piece of paper on that. He had to declare that you got $1099. You know, you had to got that much money. But I'm grateful for it because it, it taught me the hard work. And it, it and, and what he said was, I'm going to put this ink in your blood, son. 
You're listening to Alexander and Friends. We're here with Alexandra, B, myself, Courtney, and our awesome guest, Mr. Daryl Blair. Um, I do want to ask for y'all to like our Facebook page, Alexander and Friends 660. You can also shoot us an email, Alexander and Friends 660 at gmail.com. And check out our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Search for Alexander and Friends 660. Welcome back. Well, Daryl, when, when you were talking about basketball, I noticed uh, Courtney's eyes kind of pop up because she loves sports. I love sports. And Courtney, she, were you a point guard? I never played basketball. Are you serious? No, but I'm going to tell you this. I played softball growing up, high school. Shortstop? No. Mm-mm. I'm, let me stand up. Guess my position. Pitcher? Yeah. Absolutely right. I'm a big girl. Pitcher first base. You're not but, a big girl. Well, thanks. Just but gorgeous lady. I um I played softball and then I, I played a little bit in college. I ended up getting cut my sophomore year. I ended up going to play for the city league and up in good old Willamanda, Connecticut, we had a a crazy sponsored city women's softball league program. And so um that was pretty cool. Get to be the the star of that for several years. Mm-hmm. And then um I have a pretty decent arm. I could throw a football. And so I always said if I was born a man I probably would have been a quarterback. And so several years back, there was quite a big following um, with women's professional tackle football. Especially up on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. Yes, it was. So I ended up trying out for a team down here, made it. There was four teams what back then. What was the in. team down here that you started? So there's four teams back then. You're going to know Dallas Diamonds. They were the big yes. ones. Dallas Mustangs was another big one. Yes. I played for, um, it was initially the North Texas Knockouts, but then we changed to DFW Elite and then the Arlington Impact. So there's only two of those teams that are still left. Um, the but, Diamonds, I do remember. Oh, and yeah. Mustangs, too. I, oh, yeah. They, well, Alexander. Her name is Alexander. So mm-hmm. her last name was Alexander. She played, she, I think she's the one that she played overseas for a little bit. Yes. They had, the that team was featured on ESPN. They had girls that, I mean, phenomenal. And several of the players that I played against ended up going into the NFL to coach. Um, one of them went and played for the North Texas Revolution and, I mean, it was just, I love sports. So, Absolutely, I see. Um, why did we talk about this? Oh, basketball. basketball. Yeah, my daughter plays basketball. Okay. She plays uh, AAU basketball, so it's kind of our life right now. But okay. I want to know more about, with it's your dad obviously having a love for sports, trying to start the newsletter, how did that transition into what it is today? Well, it, it started out, again, like I say, the Southwest Sports Letter, and uh, whereby there was not really a market for it, and he couldn't you know, etch out any uh, advertisers on a consistent basis, there were those who would just have the token advertisement advertisement so they support Blair. Uh, but he came into friendship with a gentleman by the name of S.M. Wright, Reverend S.M. Wright. You'll know mm-hmm. that freeway in Dallas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes right by William Blair Jr. Park. It's kind of funny how they intersect. But S.M. Wright was one of the leading African-American pastors in Dallas. So he told my father, he said, well, Blair, what are you going to do? My dad said, well, I'm you know, trying to figure. I got a couple of pieces of property I might try to grow. He said, well, Blair, you might want to keep that paper because there is no uh, vent, no, no vein of communication between the churches. There is no way that we are able to connect. So maybe you can put that paper out of each one of the churches, put an ad in there, and then they put the information. And so when it's passed around, they have an opportunity to have an intercommunication between the churches. My father started that, and that's how it became the elite news uh, because it was the church community, so those were elitist. Um, but my father would say elite. But since he, you know, he said he educated us, we say elite. It became the elite news whereby the churches put their information in there and they were able to connect. And he became a voice, not only for the church, but for the community. And so it evolved into politics. And, you know, things just started happening because he started having a seat at the table when things were taking place. 
whether he was on one side or the other, just as a newspaper publisher, he was at the table to understand what the narrative was. Well, I just think that it's amazing that you are always talking about sides, one side, other side. Uh But you can see that all the relationship Uh were based in respect. Absolutely. I don't need to agree with you, but we can discuss and we can make our points and we can bring contributions to the table and we can think about. And that is so special for me. I grew up the same way. And these days you cannot even say something like, I don't like green. And then suddenly, oh my God, you have 10 gallons of green uh, (laughs) paint delivered at your house because someone wants to make a point. So I think that is really, (laughs) really special. (laughs) You know, V and Courtney, you talk about, you don't have to be agreeable. Uh, all the time and, and, and to have to be friends or to be respected. Right. Uh, I think that speaks volumes for all of our relationship with uh, Alexandra. I'm quite sure we've all had our differences <laughs> and uh, some unspoken differences. She just perceive them and here she goes. But she's on point a lot of times as it relates to me. Mm-hmm. And so it's been respected. Uh, I'm immensely grateful for my father standing his ground, not because he was proud, not because he he wanted to make a point for himself. He wanted to make a point about the character of it, about the morals of it. Uh, And I used to get mad, you know, uh, because why can't you just agree with this and go with this narrative? And his whole thing was the more you try to push him in the corner to be agreeable on one turn, the more ways he would find for you to understand there's a whole lot of different vantage points you could look at this. This sounds like my marriage. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. Daryl Well, you know, don't don't scare me because I'm getting married on the 22nd of this month. Listen, I did a book for our anniversary. I put yes. the wrong date on it, so you're fine. <laughs> yeah, well, Sherry would have a fit. You know, we got I got chastising Costco yesterday behind this very thing, moving it from the 22nd to the 23rd. So I'll talk to you about it when we get home. But. Well, do you need a photo booth for your wedding? Let's talk. All right. Uh, okay. You we, see, we've got a photo booth yes, company. Yes. We do a lot of weddings. Right. Wow, I didn't know that. This is this is a business group here. Well, well I like the insurance part and the financial part. Well, yes, I do. This is so. the part. This is the part that we are trying to mimic what your dad did. That is to bring information to the community. Uh-huh. Yes. And to be able to give voice to people that it's amazing and do an amazing uh, job and. They bring so many good things to the society, but sometimes they don't have a platform to to say. Mm-hmm. And well, to, it's amazing you know? that you say that, V, because my father, one of his mantras was, you know, uh, Alexandra asked me about the MLK parade and how it started in 1986. Mm-hmm. Uh, my father, he started that parade because the city of Dallas the year before had put a parade together, but it was a parade that he was offended. Uh, of course, he had been invited to participate in the newspaper, but his thing was, you got all these D, you know, that uh, uh, <laughs> people out here and the VIPs were the regular people. My father was, you mm-hmm. know, it was a situation with him was you never wanted to be above people. His thing was he was constantly admonishing us about acting as or being perceived as if we were sitting above people. He wanted us to stay amongst people so you would stay relative. People could, you know, always talk to you, re- relate to you. Don't go and insulate yourself or surround yourself with people uh, who didn't represent your greater good. And who can represent the greater good for you? You. Mm -hmm. So that's how the MLK parade started, got started. And you're talking about the common folks voice. Uh, That was his thing. This parade is going to be called a people's parade. He started it as people's parade because 
His thing was, how do you register, Mr. Blair? Oh, you don't have to register. Just come on down there and line up on the corner of Lamar and, and Martin Luther King. Just get down there, and we're going to head right on down the street at 10 o'clock. There was no lineup list, nothing. Until my brother came along was like, Daddy. You know, my brother Jordan came, and that was finally a voice with me who could say, Daddy, can you listen? No, we're going to keep it because people, that's what they come to expect, fella. You can't go change. Well, it evolved to the point that my brother was able to get my father to buy into letting us have people register. Mm-hmm. Then it evolved into people registering, and they started wanting to buy floats because we were just marching down the street. Then all the high school bands started wanting to participate. But this is how it evolved because he involved people. You would see people walk off the side of the parade route and walk in the parade, start waving at everybody. It's like, wait a minute, you can't do that. And if my father caught you pushing, pushing somebody, putting somebody out that parade, he was going to give you a tongue lashing. I don't care who was in front of. He did it in front of the police chief. He did it in front of the mayor. He did not tolerate that. What you putting them out for, Daddy? When the fellow, son, come on here. Y'all going to get in that parade. Y'all keep on marching. Don't you do that no more. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Chastising me. Good. But this was his thing. He wanted to give people, and so with the newspaper, he didn't want columnists. He wanted the community to come out and write. He would, and he would challenge people. I challenge you to write an article and tell us what's going on because you are better aware of what's going on than I am. And then your voice is better heard and needs to be needs to be heard. Where about the only thing I'm going to do, I'm going to edit it because I don't want no gra- grammatical errors. But more importantly, I'm going to make sure that your stuff is factually sound that we don't get a slander or a libel suit. Other than that, we're going to put it in the paper. You know, he said he liked to print good news, but most of the time, bad news is what makes his papers move off the rack. So he would have a good little mix of three good articles for the month, one bad one. And then he didn't like the fact that my brother and I started learning how to slant the headlines, you know, even <laughs> if it was something that was just moderate, just a concern in the community, we were slanted like, Trouble on the horizon. <laughs> he didn't like that. You've always been troubled, Daryl. You know, help. That's you. Let, let him tell it, help, Daryl. There he is. That's and my... talk to us about the the newspaper today. What are the characteristics? If we want to buy the newspaper, or if, if you want to check, or if you want to advertise on the newspaper, just that was about. Uh, our our newspaper is is predicated now on a uh, community, city, regional, state basis of information that we feel is in the um, that's trending uh, and so that's how we predicate it but more importantly we try to keep the the narrative for the church community out there but um, the churches have so evolved that they've become their own communications vessel you know whereby they have websites mm-hmm. they have these podcasts they have you know Facebook posts Instagram and we do all that all the same um, we, we're just continuing to stay in our vein our lane And, uh, of course, you know, we've come up with the Juneteenth Festival in celebration for 2021, June 19th. And so we work with that. But we have a number of entities that we still do. We have the 46th Annual Elite News Awards Night Mm -hmm. that's coming up uh, February 26th. It's always the last Friday of February that my father over the years wanted to recognize unsung heroes, those people who've labored lovingly in our communities, uh, be it black or white, that have labored in our communities that he wanted to recognize and show why you sitting up here, you sleep every night and you wake up every day and you travel in the sanctity and the security of this, that, and other. Here's some of the fair people who are behind the scenes. No, they're not the mayor. No, they're not your city council member. No, they're not the chief of police, but these are some of the very people who work right there in the trenches to provide for you, your safety, your security. And so that's what my father's always done. When you look at a lot of the African-American notables, my father started them. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, in terms of giving them, recognizing them, And people say, oh, I didn't know they did that or they accomplished that. 
And that's how it came about. So the community, the newspaper is as much a community a publication and a, a community and people promoter as anything else, as it is a, a, a informational uh, uh, vehicle. Um, we, it's always something promotion. We have the Easter extravaganza where we uh, key is from our father's benevolence uh, from the Blair Foundation. We have the Easter extravaganza where we have uh, disadvantaged and, and challenged kids come out and have a good time. We have the back-to-school drive and things of that nature. So we have community engagements where we do these things now in my father, father's park, William Blair Jr. Park in South Dallas. We continue to want to operate in that narrative, never get away from our base. We want to grow it. Awesome. Where can people find more information? What What are your social media platforms? Oh, okay, our social media platforms is um, you can go to DFW Elite News for Facebook, DFW uh, Elite News uh, Instagram. Uh, also, you can go to www.elitenewsdallas.com. Elite News Dallas. We're going to connect with that's, you. That's our website. And I mean, you, everything you want to do, uh, you can reach us right through there and you'll always get me directly. So, Daryl, uh, I just want to ask you a couple of questions. Sure. After dad died, what hurdles did you have to overcome to be able to do what you do today for the paper? What was? Do, do you want me to be really, really candid about yes, that? Yes, I want to hear it. Alexandra, let me say this to you. My brother and I sold probably one of the biggest advertising contracts we ever had in the history of the Elite News. And we were celebrating one day. And so my brother and I had decided that out of our 50%, remember, we split 50%, then that went 25-25. My father, the other 50, went to the paper. Long story short, we got to celebrate and talk about how we're going to hire people to come in and work. And he looked at us. He put that cigar in his mouth. Come here. Talking with that cigar. We in his office. He put his feet up on the desk. He said, fella. Y'all using that money to get above people. You better let that money put you, spread you more around people. So, uh, and then he looked at us. He said, Daddy, I want to tell y'all something. This is one of his sentiments, one of his soft moments, looking at each other. He said, fella, the higher up you go and the more you do, you're going to have people come after you. When when I'm gone, there's some folks going to come out the woodwork after you that always sit and smile in your face. They were simply trying to get a better fix on where you were. Guess what happened, Alexandra? When my father passed, I thought that it would be a smooth transition, that all the help would come. And some of the very people in the community who were beneficiaries of the community, who were beneficiaries of what my father helped, helped promote about them in conjunction with others, they were the very ones who came to swipe down, cut down, and tear down everything that he had put in place. And it was as if they had a personal vendetta, you know, against us. But then, by the grace of God, you know, uh, we were provided for, you know. Uh, that uh, that God gave us the grace to to get through it. He we needed to experience it, and so whereby I did because my brother Jordan had gone on, mm-hmm. and it was a it was a tough transition. But you know, I I, I get in my car when I leave office some days, and and I tear up a little bit and I toughen up because no, you don't want you crying. And then it would say, my mom would always say, when I be going through something real bad or something real tough, these are the days we made you for, baby. Say, you ain't had me for this, mama. I thought you had me out of joy and fun and pain. She said, no, nah, baby, it was for tough times like this. And so we've gone through some tough times, but by the grace of God, we're still here and we're growing. I see that. Well, what compelled you to become an editor? Um, what compelled me to become an editor? Uh-huh. Uh, my father's ire. Okay. You know, when I came out of college, I decided I was going to try to work. I was going to go work for first, no, Fair Park Bank, which became NCNB and First uh-huh, Republic. Uh-huh. Um, and he looked at me and said, fella, come in here. Let me tell you <laughs> something. I ain't fattening no frogs for no snakes, fella. I'm like, Daddy, what does that mean? 
dare I and sent you to school and all your brothers and sisters, and y'all just going to keep going work for somebody else. Why you want to go count somebody else's money when whatever you count, you have this room full of money. <laughs> you could count it for yourself, son. It belonged to you. And he's like, no. He said, Daryl, you're going to have to know how to build your own. At that time, he said, just be your own. At this time, it's called build your brand. My father simply wanted us to understand and wanted me to understand that nobody could push the button on my yes and my no but me in terms of what I could do and what I could attempt to do. I couldn't be limited by ceiling or by somebody's intuition or thought that my work ethic within myself and that I would prove it by people seeing it, not going to show them, but doing it and letting them see it. That was his thing. And so you come and work for this paper. This is your own. You can recreate yourself. You could be the man in the rubber suit 50 times over, but you can keep recreating yourself. And, you know, on this particular day, I appreciate it. Well, thank you so much for being here today and talking about your dad, because I loved your dad. And every time I go to Luby's, I sit at that table that says, William Blair. Let me say this to you, Alexandria. You know, sometimes people will appreciate things of yours more than you do. You know, you come, you go to somebody's house and you see them mishandle something. You go, what? And they, you know, because they just take it for granted. But you see the value in it. And so I want to say this. My father started their table. And you called me some months back. And you chastised me before you even said, hello, Daryl. <laughs> because you want me to get back to that table. You want to start bringing people back to that table. And you benefited by, by spirit. There's some people who benefited politically, financially, who haven't come back to that table. And never challenged to come back. But you did. And you have always been that one to raise the voice, raise the flag, and yet be the first one to applaud and chide. And so I'm grateful for your friendship. I'm grateful for your enduring friendship that you were one of the ones that you didn't come and just, you know, in the 15 minutes of my father's passing, the 15 minutes after that you came and said my condolences and I'm here for you. You know, you popped up at the most awkward times, but the most convenient times in my spirit. And I thank you from, from me, the Blair family, the Ely News and the Blair Foundation. Well, I thank you very much. And people need to know that about Alexandra Fincher. Thank you. But I loved your dad. And thank I, you. And I will always love him. I, I admire him. So thank you for being here today. Okay. Uh, we appreciate you very much. We appreciate thank Miller Title for, for uh, being our sponsor. You've been listening to Alexandra and Friends, the podcast. Reach out to us on Facebook at Alexandra and Friends or write us an email, alexandraandfriends660 at gmail.com. Be sure to mark us as one of your favorite podcasts so you never miss an episode.